0: Listening to episode 12 of Half Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper. Written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 21. Dunsany Roads Orbital, 2352, April 18. The sound of a shower running woke me, and I glanced at the bedside chrono. 05.30. Diane would be getting ready to relieve Francis about now. She's probably in the shower, too, I thought. And that thought brought a little pang. The sheets were a crumpled mess and stuck to me in several places. I stretched languidly, my arm sliding across the warm spot where Alicia had been. I didn't want to move, and I wasn't terribly sure I could... She came out of the head, rubbing a towel across her hair, otherwise naked and proudly unselfconscious. That was a good sign, I thought. She grinned when she saw me. You look pretty pleased with yourself this morning, she teased. Well, not to brag, but you look pretty pleased yourself, I teased back. She grinned a little satisfied grin and made a hmm sound in her throat as if considering. Yes, she said finally, I am, and giggled not at all girlishly. "'You have the duty?' I asked, suddenly aware of the time, place, and circumstance. She shook her head. "'Not until tonight, but I've got an officer's briefing at 09.30 I need to be back aboard for. What about you?' "'It's my off day. I'm clear till 1800.' She finished toweling off and draped the wet towel on a chair. She stretched then, as unselfconsciously as a cat, arching her back and rolling her shoulders. I could see her eyes snag on my jacket hanging in the open closet— She patted over to it and stroked the corduroy as if patting some animal. She looked at me with a raised eyebrow and asked, May I? I propped myself up on my elbows. Sure. Becoming amused by her fetish for Roubaille. She slipped it off its hanger and slid it around her naked torso. I was surprised to see that it was a bit big on her. She seemed somehow larger. She pulled it tightly around her and I felt myself wishing I were that jacket so she'd wrap me around her naked body like that And then I remembered that she had just a couple of stands before. "'What are you grinning at?' she asked with a grin of her own. "'What are you grinning at?' I asked in return. "'This coat feels amazing against my skin.' "'Oh, you'll pardon my saying so, but it looks amazing against your skin,' I told her. "'Oh,' she purred. "'You like this look?' "'Um... I said with a considering tone, I don't know, could you walk over there and back for me once, just so I can get the full effect? She giggled in the back of her throat and sashayed across the room. The coat wasn't long enough, even on her, to cover completely. The glimpses as she walked away were as stimulating as when she started back. I was absorbed in the view when she giggled again. It seems you do like the look, she said. She let the coat fall open as she came and didn't stop at the edge of the bed, but crawled on her hands and knees until she was right on top of me, hands planted on the pillows on either side of my head and knees astride my hips. She lowered her torso until her breasts just touched my skin and her lips were less than a centimeter from mine. Yes, she breathed with an experimental rolling of her hips. You do like this look, I can tell. Yes, yes. I gasped as she lowered herself onto me. I think it's a very good look for you. Sometime later, I said, I think you're going to need another shower now. She giggled into the side of my neck. (laughs) I was just thinking you're going to have to have the coat cleaned, she said breathlessly. What have you got in the pocket? She asked, sitting up on me. My tablet? I asked. No, this pocket. Do you know what a Welkie is? I asked. Yeah, some kind of St. Cloud spirit guide. "'The shaman on the south coast carved them.' "'She looked at me. "'You have a Welkie?' she asked. "'I shrugged. It was a gift. "'Somebody gave you a welky? "'Yep. Can I see it? "'Help yourself.' "'She reached into the pocket and slid out the dolphin. "'Oh,' she said. "'Stop squirming,' I said, "'or you're going to have to go around again.' "'She ground her hips into me with a fierce look. "'Quiet, you. I'm admiring,' she said with a grin. "'This is spectacular.' "'I've seen a couple, but nothing like this.' "'She ran a fingertip along the dorsal fin "'and impulsively kissed it before putting it back in the pocket. "'You're just full of surprises, Ishmael Huang,' she said with a grin. "'She caught sight of the time. "'But we have to get moving. "'I want some breakfast before I have to put on my second mate's cap. "'I hope you're going to put on a ship suit, too,' I teased. "'She laughed and lifted herself off me with a small sigh. "'Well, at least one of us gave a small sigh. "'I'm not really sure which one of us. "'Might have been both.' She clambered off the bed and stripped my coat off, laying it carefully across the covers. You, she pointed at me as I was admiring the way the light slipped across her naked skin, stop admiring me and call for breakfast. Coffee, eggs, sausage, potatoes, enough for three people. Oh, and order something for yourself. She turned and strode back to the head, and I couldn't bear not to watch her go. Now, spacer, she yelled from the head. I laughed and got on the calm. Around 0800, we stepped off the lift on the dock level. She checked out of the room and had a duffel over her shoulder. "'Work this afternoon. Duty tonight. Underway tomorrow,' she said, shrugging helplessly. "'Thanks,' I said. "'For what?' she asked. "'Just thanks. See her on the docks, maybe,' I told her. She growled, wrapped a fist in my shirt, and backed me up against the bulkhead. When she let me go, I felt thoroughly kissed. Several of the passers-by seemed to think so, too, judging from their grins.' I hope she did as well. We didn't say goodbye. She waved and headed to the Duchamp's lock to port. I couldn't watch, so I headed to starboard and back to the Lois's dock. The docks were really chilly, and I shrugged my coat around me. I could smell her on it. I wondered if I could get it cleaned. Not physically, but whether I could voluntarily give up the scent. You're being stupid, I told myself. I agreed with me, but sometimes being right doesn't help. I keyed my way into the lock and signed aboard. Sandy Melterson had the duty. Welcome home-ish, she told me. Thanks, Sandy. Anything shaken? Well, you're the talk of the ship again. Which part, I asked. Oh, where shall I begin, she said with a grin. Great gods, how bad is it? Oh, no, she said with a smile. It's all good. All right, give me the highlights. Henri she asked. Old news, days ago. You trashed Murdoch she asked. No, I'm not trashed. I just didn't find her that interesting. Brill spewed beer twice, she asked. Just once. First time was a near miss. You danced with Alvarez. True. The last time anybody saw you, Alvarez was dragging you out of jump. False, I said. False, she asked. I went willingly. Al offered to take you home. Damn, you've got good sources, she looked at me sympathetically. It's hard, though, isn't it? she said softly. I shrugged. Yeah, it's just one of those things you need to get used to if you're going to be a spacer, huh? Pretty much, she said, a bit wistfully. Well, I better get on with being a spacer then, I suppose. I need to get some stuff from my locker and head up to the flea market. Who's up there today? I think it's her own stay to manage it. Thanks, Sandy, I told her with a grin. You done good-ish. Tough as it is, she told me. Down the birthing area, I pulled out the small bag of Welkies, intending to take them to the flea. I took the bag around to my bunk and started going through them, trying to remember what I'd picked up. I opened the first one. It was a wolf in a pre-pounce pose, knees bent, head up with a kind of playful, predatory smile, haunches gathered. I rewrapped it carefully. The second was a fox, sitting upright with ears up and tail wrapped around its paws in front. I rewrapped that one as well. The third was a peregrine falcon. It was in flight, wings swept back, talons ready head and neck fully extended, eyes focused ahead, fiercely sleek and beautiful. The deep purple heart seemed to pulse in the birthing overhead light. I rewrapped it carefully, tying the red string snugly around the bit of cloth. I put the wolf and the fox back in the bag and stowed the bag in my locker. I slipped the falcon into my jacket and headed off the ship. I went to the Duchamp's lock and rang the delivery buzzer, and one of the ratings came out. He asked, can I help you? I got a delivery for Alvarez, second mate. I'll take it, he said. Pulled a small bundle out of my pocket and handed it to him. That's it? He asked. Yep. Do I need to sign for it? I shook my head. No, just see she gets it. Sure thing. He shrugged, made a note on his tablet, and went back through the lock. I headed back to the ship. I needed to find somebody to go shopping with. Sandy was still on duty and just laughed at my coming and going. Can't make up your mind, Ish? She teased me. Ah, you know how it is. You're out, you're running errands, you get halfway, you find you forgot something. Is anybody around? You mean besides the watch section, she asked with a grin. Yeah, I need to find somebody to go shopping with me. She laughed out loud at that one. Good luck, she said. I don't know who's awake. Anybody with the duty is on it. Almost anybody who had the mid is sleeping. Why don't you get a nap? You've got the night watch, don't you? Yeah, I do. Listen to your Aunt Sandy. Go grab a nap now. A mid watch will be getting up at noon, most of them. Grab some lunch and go up this afternoon. That's good advice, Aunt Sandy, I told her with a grin. Besides, better deals in the afternoon. She laughed then. Oh, ish, humor me. I gotta ask. Ask, I said with a shrug. I seem to be the primary entertainment these days. Well, that's not news, she said. You and Pip have been the prime entertainment on this ship for months now. But, would you have gone? What? I asked. Would you have gone with Al? I shrugged and told her. A gentleman doesn't tell. Damn, you're good, she told me. I winced a little, but I waved and headed for my bunk. She made good sense, and I was a bit tired. I woke around twelve thirty and grabbed a quick shower before zipping up a ship suit. It was still time for lunch, and I hustled up to the mess deck. Pip was on duty, and I waved to him, but in typical import fashion only a few bedraggled watchstanders, like me, I realized belatedly, were eating. Lunch was soup salad and sandwiches. It was a chicken soup, very spicy. "'We must have gotten some of the new store's shipments in.' "'I took my bowl of soup and some of Cookie's biscuits to a table and sat down. "'Pip joined me, teasing. "'What, you don't speak to your old friends now?' "'Hey,' I smiled. "'How goes?' "'I tried the soup, and it was absolutely wonderful.' "'You had quite a night, I hear,' he said. "'Oh, you know, a few drinks, a little dancing,' I told him with a grin. "'I ran into your old shipmate, Alvarez,' I said nonchalantly. "'So I heard he grinned. "'You just getting back?' No, I've been back a while. I grabbed a nap. I've got the night watch. Good thing, from what I hear. Why, what'd you hear? Some guy at Jump took offense at you walking out with his girl. What? I asked, that's crazy. Well, he was drunk. Maybe he won't remember. What happened, I asked. The story going around is that he started to get hot and was about to head out after you. I never saw him, I said. Not surprising, Al decked him, kicked him under a table, and left him there to sleep it off. Al decked him? (laughs) You cut a pretty wide swath, my friend. Hey, Al's a very cool woman. Oh, I met Al a few months back in a bar in Gugara, actually. And, I asked, if I'd been even half thinking, I never would have asked, and as soon as I said it, I knew I was going to regret it. Well, he said with a good-natured grin, she didn't offer to take me home. You're loving this, aren't you? Yep, I'm loving it. I chuckled and ate my soup. You okay? he asked softly. Yeah, I said. Thanks for asking. He wrinkled his nose in a no-problem kind of gesture. You're welcome. There hasn't been this much fun on the ship in forever, so thank you. It's going to be an interesting trip to Betras, isn't it? I said. Yeah, a week after pull-out, almost everybody will have forgotten, he said. Almost, I asked. Yeah, almost, he said quietly. Well, I gotta get back to work. You heading up to the flea this afternoon? If I can find somebody to go with, I told him. Well, good hunting. Find us something good, he said as he stood and headed back to the galley and started the after-lunch cleanup. It was 1300 I headed down to the environmental section to see if Brill was in her office. Diane had the watch and was sitting with her feet propped up on the console. Hey, the prodigal son returns, she said with a grin. Welcome home. Thanks, I think, I said with a grin. You missed all the fun last night, she teased. Oh, I don't know, I told her. I heard there was some rowdiness after I left. You sure made quite an impression for your first night out, she said. Al Decta guy? Yup, she said with a laugh. That tall, dark drink of water she was talking to when you asked her to dance. Oh, tall, dark and boring? That's him, some guy off the Sigler. He seemed to think you were muscling in on his turf had several loud things to say about your parents. When he started out after you, Al intercepted him just inside the door. That girl can move when she wants to. I just shook my head. She's a peach. You make quite an impression on her. <laughs> so I keep hearing, I said with a chuckle. I need to go shopping. Is Brill around? Diane nodded toward the office. She said she had to work on a quarter She Seems to be pretty busy. Should I bother her, I asked. Diane considered for a moment. I think maybe you should, she said, just to let her know you're home in one piece and all. Thanks for the warning, I said softly. She shrugged and announced loudly. Well, I'm on my VSI now. See you later. How much trouble am I in, I asked her. She shook her head. You're not in trouble. She is, she whispered. She walked loudly to the lock and slammed it behind her. I went to the door, which wasn't closed. Hello, I asked. Brill didn't turn. I'm sorry-ish, she said softly, looking at her screen. Sorry for what, B?" Murdoch, she said. I understand, I told her. Please, look at me. She turned, and she looked miserable. What's the matter, Brill? I asked. I was afraid to ask, but more afraid not to know. When you unloaded Murdoch last night, I was really glad. You made me look like an idiot with the beer, but that was almost worth it, she grinned. So what's the problem? Alvarez? I asked. No, she's a dear. Well, what then? You know Murdoch was a set-up, she said. I feel cheap and horrid, and I'm afraid of what that's done to us. She was hunched around her arms and looking at the deck. Bless her heart. B, I said softly. What I know is that somebody who cares very much for me did something thoughtful and risky and kind, I told her. You didn't do anything but give me a shot at the surest thing you knew, and you didn't force me to take it. You just set up the circumstances. The rest was up to me. She sighed miserably. Would you have been happier if I'd gone with Murdoch? Oh, gods, no, she said. I don't know what I was thinking, she said bitterly. You were thinking that it's cold out in the deep dark and sometimes you wake up in the night and you just want somebody to hold you. And you were thinking that I don't know that I had to do that in port because we don't do that on the Earth. You were so aware of how much I needed to hold somebody that you couldn't help yourself and that's what you meant by what it means to be a spacer. That it means you hurt a lot and you make connections knowing they're going to be ripped away. That empty sex isn't enough but sometimes it's better than the alternatives. He stopped then, suddenly wrung out. She sighed. Something like that, I suppose, she said. Did you think that if I couldn't have you, I'd have settled for Murdoch? I asked her. She looked up at me then. We can't be having this conversation, she said hoarsely. We can't not, I told her. In three days, we're going to go back out in the deep dark. We need to heal this, and ignoring it, it is only going to make it worse. But we can't. Brill. Something happened when we went to Henri's. Something that bonded you, Bev, Diane, and I in a way that none of us expected... Can you deny it? She looked at me for a moment and then shook her head. No, she said softly. This isn't about sex. It's not about power. You're my boss on the ship. No problem. I'd follow you to hell. Actually, I may already have, I said with a grin. She laughed then, and I felt the knot of worry loosen a little. But we can't ignore what we feel about each other. We have to deal with it. That's what happened with Francis and the bookmark. It wasn't about the bookmark. It was about Diane. She sighed and said, true. And that was even before Henri. What the hell happened to us up there, she asked. I don't know. I feel like I was given a gift, something I didn't know I wanted, but now that I have it, I can't imagine living without it, like I'd been asleep all my life, and something up there woke me. I assumed that it was just me, that it was a normal thing for you three. She shook her head. Diane feels it, too, and Beverly, I think. She was mad as a wet hen over Murdoch. I saw the glares. I grinned. I think the point is that We're human. "'What do you mean?' she asked. "'I mean that Beverly drives me crazy "'because I keep having these fantasies of, God's help me, "'being totally and unequivocally screwed into the deck by her. "'Stupid stuff like Diane's grin "'in the middle of changing out scrubber matrices "'makes me want to rip that mucky ship suit off her "'and take her right there in the slime "'with her giggling like a kid. "'That every time you walk through the hatch "'or I see you cross the mess deck, "'I just want to hold you and soothe away the hurts you carry, "'and I don't know how I know you hurt so much, "'but you do, and I know, and it kills me. "'I want to give you the only thing I can.' Bill was looking at me wide-eyed. That's the human part, I said, and we have to live with that. The other part is the spacer part because we can't be human that way. Not here, not on the lowest, too much is at stake. Other ships have other ways, but we are what we are and we're better for it. I took a deep breath then. I wasn't quite done. So we go ashore and we meet the crew from the other ships and we connect the only way We can. I can be happy for Bev when she stumbles under her bunk fresh from a hotel shower, and I can root for Diane when she sets her cap for whatever his name was last night. And I could be happy for you, too, but you're so hurt you don't even try. And in spite of that, you tried to help me not hurt, but we're still human and it still hurts. I stopped then, trying to get some kind of control back. Do you know why I went after Alvarez? I asked, finally. To prove to us, to me, that you didn't need me interfering in your love life, she said. No, I shook my head, because she was as close as I could get to you. What? Of all the women in the bar last night, there were only five who really interested me. You, Diane, and Bev were all off-limits. Was there anybody there sexier than the three of you? Those two were amazing, she said. I hardly put myself in the same class as Bev and Diane. I know, but everybody else does. "'Maybe I need to take you back to Chaise Henri "'and have Monsieur Roubaix take you to the back dressing room "'and get a good look at yourself. "'Your heart knows what your head doesn't. "'What are you talking about? "'You were. You are. The leader. "'That day you took us up there and sailed into Chaise Henri's? "'You scared the hell out of me. "'I was afraid I wasn't worthy. "'We left the docks and I felt like I was being escorted "'like some odd prisoner, the three of you forcing me to go shopping.' "'She laughed at that. "'I remember thinking you were like some kind of Valkyrie in a red jacket.' Bev and Diane were your shield maidens, guarding your back as much as keeping me in line. You went through those front doors like a force of nature. You made me want to be worthy of even being in your company. I'm getting goosebumps just remembering it. I rubbed my arms through my ship suit. But that's beside the point. You are in the same class with Diane and Bev, and none of you are available to me. When I saw Alvarez come in, I knew she was in the same class as you three, and because she was from the Duchamps, fair game. How could I not at least make a play? If I have to settle for less than you... Why shouldn't I try for the next most interesting and sexy woman available? Brill looked at me while I was trying to catch my breath. With her looking at me that way, it wasn't easy. Finally, she said, you're something else. Oh, I think we established that a long time ago, I said with a grin. We're just trying to negotiate what it might be at the moment. She chuckled, damn, you're... I held up my hand to interrupt her. That phrase is a little painful right now. Painful, she asked. I heard it a lot last night. I miss her already. She laughed then. You had Alicia Alvarez saying, damn, you're good all night? We started giggling then, and I nodded a bit sheepishly. Damn, she said laughing, you're not good, you're excellent. When the laughing fit passed, it seemed like the crisis was over. Are you okay now? I asked gently. Are you okay? She asked back. Not really, I said, but I'll heal. And as much as it hurts, I think it was worth it. "'She's a remarkable woman. "'You know,' she said, "'we dock with the Duchamps once or twice a stanier. "'Maybe I'll have my strength back by then,' I said with a grin. "'And I don't want to make any assumptions,' I added softly. "'She chuckled at that. "'I don't think you need to worry on that score,' she said warmly. "'So what do we do now?' "'Well, I came down to see if you wanted to go shopping. "'I don't feel like going to the flea market alone. "'I looked at the chrono. It's not even 1,400 yet.' I've got four stands so I have to relieve Diane. fancy a shop? Main lock, five ticks, she said, and we headed for the hatch. We met Diane coming back from VSI. We're going shopping, mind the ship, Brill told her on the way out the lock. I could hear her pounding up the ladder. What'd you do? Diane asked me bewilderedly. Just cleared the air a little, I said with a grin. She seems okay. Are you okay? she asked gently. No, but I will be. I smiled. Thanks. Anytime, she said. You did good. I slipped back into my civvies and wore the crewneck pullover under my jacket. The coat still smelled of Alicia, but it didn't hurt quite so much. I beat Brill to the lock by about five steps, and we fell out of it laughing together. As we crossed to the lift, she turned to me suddenly and said, Who's the fifth? I looked at her in surprise. You don't know, I asked. She shrugged. No. I shrugged back and said, Al she giggled all the way up to the flea market. Thanks for listening to episode 12 of Half Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the solar clipper. Music is from the banks of Newfoundland, an Irish jig recorded in September of 1928 by Peter James Conlon and available on the Internet Archive at www.archive.org. This has been a presentation from Durandus, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 2.5 license. For a website and more information on the Golden Age, visit wwwtoranduscom golden.